0: So, before the actual episode begins, you know, I have to come on, I have to give you just a little background as to what you're going to be hearing. So, with this being the season premiere of idiosyncrasy, I decided to go all out and, you know, start incorporating people that are pretty close to me. People that are more well-versed in some of the topics i discuss. Introducing first is Dr. Chris Haney. He is the undergraduate coordinator for these criminal justice fi departments which you'll hear that in the episode i'm just giving a little bit of a purpose beforehand his videos his interview basically is going to be two parts uh the first part comes out today of course the second part will come out next friday same time as this one um and there is another part in the works i'm not going to reveal what it is yet but it's later on down the line so you will hear from dr haney again but I want you to pay attention, pay attention to the little things, pay attention to the things he says and what we talk about, because this is by far some of the best content I've written and recorded since I started this thing. So without further ado, I won't talk to you anymore. This is the season premiere of Idiosyncrasy, season three, Paging Dr. Haney. Evening. Welcome back to season three of Idiosyncrasy. I am, of course, your host, Dre. And with me, I have got an amazing guest, especially we got to start off season three with a bang. I have with me Dr. Chris Haney of Jacksonville State University. How are you, Dr. Haney? I'm doing
1: fabulous. How are you doing?
0: Great, great. So tell me just, well, not just me, but the viewers as well, just sure. a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, uh, of course, I'm uh, the director of the Forensic Investigation Program at Jacksonville State University. Uh, I'm also the undergraduate coordinator. That's a fancy title for saying I make all the schedules. Uh, But my main job is just making sure that the uh, Forensic Investigation Program, which we started in 2018 here at Jacksonville State, uh, runs smoothly. uh, Working with all the professors, coming up with new classes and doing all kinds of things administrative-wise. Uh, so I've been here since August of 2014, uh, that I retired after a 24 year law enforcement career. Uh, I did several things in law enforcement. My, most of my uh, work was done around the Gadsden, Etowah County area of Alabama. Uh, my, wear my hat on, uh, interviews and interrogations, which is my specialty. Uh, I was a detective for a long time investigating children, physical and sexual abuse. Uh, Homicide. Uh, I did that for a long time uh, and I also did narcotics investigations for a long time. Uh, So, I have a little bit of experience in every avenue of police work, whether it be patrol or community policing, uh, detectives. Uh, I also uh, was a a team leader on the SWAT team. Uh, I was a sergeant over the narcotics division. I did administration. I ran shifts. Uh, So, about anything you could do in police work, I have uh, been able to experience that. And uh, like I said, I did that for 24 years and now I'm going into year eight uh, of teaching uh, here at Jackson State University. Excellent, great. So
0: just to sum that up, this is an amazing man that I got (laughs) sitting across from here, okay? So just keep that in mind as we progress. Um, I'll, I'll add this before we actually hop into all the questions, you know, me being a C.J. major yes, uh, and having the opportunity to interact with all of the professors as well as other students as well. It's just been an amazing experience. I tell this story uh, to anyone that asks me. You know, I started off as a computer science major. Right. I have no idea why I wanted to be a computer science major. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I can give you the premise of that. Uh, my high school uh, senior career. career. Um, we did a lot of programming and stuff and i was like yeah you know this is pretty cool to go into and you know know, make video games and stuff i get to college jsu freshman year 2018. (laughs) it's not what i thought it was (laughs) um it was the most difficult time i've had since i've been here uh and it's not not you know anything to the program or to the professor it's just a very very intense program a lot of coursework is you know it's programming but you have a lot of details um so after nearly pulling all of my hair out Correct. i decided to switch back over and go with what i originally wanted to do and that was criminal justice yes and i have loved it ever since well we're certainly glad you did too so. yeah i mean you know i I've, I've loved talking about all of these different topics like you said um i'm currently, well. I was in his interrogation and interviews class as well as his evidence class. Yes, I've had a mm-hmm. lot of interaction with Dr. Haney here, yes, yes. Um, as well as a lot of other professors that you're gonna hopefully get a chance to meet here uh, very soon. But um, getting back on topic here, getting back on topic, because I can just go all over the place. Um, so let's, let's start with your policing career. As sure. you say, you've been in multiple avenues from yes. interrogations, you specialize in interrogations and interviews, right. you've been on the SWAT team, you've done narcotics, all of this. Right. So just tell me how all of that was, you know, from, you know, starting as a rookie cop going all sure. the way up
1: and moving into these leadership positions. Sure. Well, <clears throat> I always knew, um, even back when I was on the streets when I first started, uh, I, you know, originally, Policing, criminal justice, forensic, none of that was in my my plan. I guess if you say as we're growing up, we're deciding. Uh, When I came out, I wanted to be an English teacher in high school, and be a high school football coach. Uh, That was my original goal. Uh, But uh, as we say, sometimes uh, destiny has other roads for us. And uh, I was able to meet some police officers who I became good friends with, and we were playing softball and things like that together. And they just kept after me, after me, after me. Hey, you need to come and join us. We need good guys to work with us. And so, I went, took the tests, passed everything, got hired. The rest was history. And uh, you know, I started out in the jail. Uh, and people say, you know, well, it's, it doesn't sound too much fun starting out in the jail, but. I wouldn't take that experience for anything in the world. Uh, That experience turned me into a much better street officer. Uh, Being in the jail, we had our own city jail at that time, and uh, we had uh, a maximum occupancy of 88, so it was was a decent-sized city jail, Um, but man, I got to learn so much from the actual criminals the people that are continuing to show up, these people who are serving time. And I got to learn a lot from them. They got to learn a lot from me. We got to understand that we're all people, but they've made mistakes and they're paying for those mistakes. But I can think about how many times that by working and some of the things I learned in the people that I met, how it paid off when I got on the streets. And because, you know, one thing that, I tell you guys in class, uh, uh, it's, you know, respect has to be earned. And by earning respect, I earned that respect in the jail, which carried a reputation out onto the streets of being someone that, hey, he will treat you fairly. He will, you know, do everything right. He's not somebody who's going to, you know, like uh, do things that he shouldn't to you. So I had a lot of people, man. I I had such a large amount of people who would come to me and tell me things when I was on the street about cases. That continued as I went into investigations uh, that all these people that I met in the jail ended up not really, you know, yeah, I guess you could say friends, you know, but there's a line that you draw there. There's not friends that we go hang out with and go to dinner with, but we were friendly together. And uh, they would, even give me information well up into 20 years in the career uh, of these people that I had dealt with. But uh, I remember there were several people that just back in the day, they wanted to fight every police officer in the world. But if I showed up, they'd say, I'll go with him. And uh, so it was just one of those situations where I think that uh, it's kind of corny, but it's almost like an Andy Griffiths kind of deal. I always tell somebody, I always thought I could police gas them without a gun. Maybe yeah. not so much today, right. but back in, in my time, in my early days, I, I think I could help. Um, But it was, uh, like I said, it just, you know, it started in the jail. It went on out to the streets and uh, nobody, you know, and a lot of people say, oh, I want to be a detective or I want to be this or that. But let me tell you something. You cannot replace that experience that you get being a patrol officer. That makes you a better detective. It makes you a better narcotics investigator or whatever. But uh, <clears throat> a lot of kids these days don't want to pay those dues. And uh, But I'm just telling you that the experience and the things that I learned from those days have carried me throughout my career and just dealing with people in general uh as a supervisor uh you know i ended up being a supervisor and i was a sergeant over a shift and lieutenant over a shift, and uh we you know everybody wanted to come to our shift, and uh, we just treated them right you know people are a resource they're your great resource and we treated them right fairly and they knew the rules and you know if there were things that i had to deal with i had to deal with it but we did it fairly and we did it the right way and just I guess following the old golden rule like my dad taught me you know back when i was little you know do unto others as you'd have right. done unto you and uh so just throughout that career i just tried to treat people uh with respect um, when i got into uh the detective division and narcotics is a whole different beast uh it's just i mean when you're dealing with uh you know dopers as we call them when you're dealing with them sometimes I mean there's a lot of psychological issues and things that are going on that is really difficult to deal with and uh, so that's an interesting little piece in its own right. uh, but man I you know in, in detectives um, I, and I've told you guys in class uh, you know I was working for my victim and uh, I wanted to make sure that that victim got justice. Uh, I worked over 11 homicides of children and uh, was able to solve every one of them. And uh, I worked other numerous homicides of adults um, and was able to solve those. Um, it's just I became good at investigations and uh, I became good at interrogating people. And, uh, but when we hear that word interrogation sometimes it kind of has a negative connotation in a way because people think of things they see in the movies or TV and they think about the bright lights and beating people and doing all this kind of stuff. Interrogation's not about that. Uh, Interrogation is just about being good at reading people, developing a rapport like I told you uh, in class. If you develop a rapport with them, people will talk to you. If people know that you're being honest with them and that you will uh, treat them fairly, and treat them right, even though they've messed up, treat them with respect then uh, they open up and they talk to you. So uh, I got good at that. I say part of it was because of my upbringing, my daddy was a Southern Baptist preacher. And so uh, part of that, uh, you know, I'm gonna have to give him credit for because of the personality that he had, it's kind of just flourished in me. And uh, uh, (coughs) so uh, that really helped me uh, throughout my career. and then uh, I think it's also going to help me in my career here at Jacksonville State um, in just the way that I advise students and the way that I treat people in class. And you've been in several of my classes and you know that I'd have, like to have everyone involved. And uh, it's not just a me show. It's gotta be about you guys. You've got to understand it. You've got to learn it. Uh, and so uh, it's just been a really good career. It's, you know, people say, would you do it over again? I don't know if I'd do it over again if I had to start today, in today's time, Mm -hmm. but if I could go back to where I was, I would have done it the same way. Uh, Sure, there's all things we would all change, but basically, no, I I, I mean, I would do it again. Great, great.
0: So you brought up two very interesting points here, and I'm trying to figure out exactly which one I want to hit on first. Um, I think I'll, I'll go with this direction, Initially, so you talked about you know building rapport with mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. making it easier to communicate, right? And and I I firmly believe in that because you know I've I've had very similar situations with yes. interacting with students and things where it's like you know you have to build that relationship mm-hmm. in order for them to talk to you. You know mm-hmm. they feel more comfortable.
1: Yeah.
0: My first time meeting you mm-hmm. uh, was with uh, Mr. Littlejohn in P yes. seventy. That was. Yeah. Uh, during the interview process uh, that we, that we did, and that was my first time actually speaking with you, you know, yeah. and I could tell you were a, a person that was very, very, uh, you know, very professional, right. obviously mm-hmm. very professional, but you were also very easy to talk to, yeah, you know, uh, because like I said, you know, students we have all different types of you know resources that we can go. I, I normally look up all my professors to see. Mm-hmm how rate right, my professor, we all sure. know this, you know, yeah. you want, you want to see, um, who's what, and you know, you had amazing, right? I was like, okay, I, yeah. you know, I'd love to take this guy. And then I actually got a chance to talk to you. and it's like, Oh yeah, I really love to take this guy now because this is, this is an amazing person. Uh, and like I said, that's been with all the professors. Um, uh, Dr. Murtaugh, mm-hmm. um, very funny story, I'll, I'll add this, and I'll, if I ever get a chance to talk to oh, him- Oh, you I'll, guys I'll, need to I'll meet Dr. Bertrand, yeah, you do, I'll like definitely it. tell him this. So, when I when I first started, I was looking at all the professors that was teaching CJ, right? And I came to Dr. Bertone, I was like, ooh, he looks like really strict, really yes. tough. And I was like, yes. okay, avoid him. You know, I hadn't right. looked at any razor or anything. I was like, yeah, hey, we're gonna avoid him. He looks a little tough, you know. Judging right. the book by, by his, cover. By don't, his cover. don't do that, right. but you know, it's, it's It's a human quality. We we do that from time to time, right? And then it got to the point where I had to have victimless crimes, and it was only him teaching. I was like, okay, well, you know, buckle in. Looks like it's going to be a rough ride. And then he comes into class, and he starts to talk. And I was like, the voice doesn't match the person. No, it doesn't. You know, and that was amazing. And it was like, he's really a really nice guy. He knows a lot. All the professors
1: know We call him the big teddy bear around here. Yeah. Most everybody doesn't think he is that way.
0: Yeah, just, I mean, honestly, yeah. just per, just off of those observations, I was like, he seemed really tough, but he wasn't. He was like really fun, yeah. really, great. love to interact, love to joke, and I was like, there's nothing to worry about. It's going to no, be great.
1: Semester. Twenty years of, of of policing up in the Boston area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got a he's a great wealth of knowledge of the things that he can you know give you as far as a different perspective,
0: right? On things, right, which is really good. So dialing <clears> back <throat> in, you know we talk about, you know, building those relationships, but I found that it's not always that easy. No. Um, there are, uh, and speaking from experience here, of course, there are certain individuals that I've encountered that, you know, are seeking, you know, they, they want to have relationships with people, right. Mm-hmm. But it's almost as if it's like, yeah, this is what I want, but I don't, I don't actually want it. It's a very confusing situation. Right. Um, there, there's been tons of arguments I've had because it's like you know you said you wanted to talk but then when we talk it's like a really
1: you, you don't really want to talk to
0: you. right it's like almost as if you know you're like back well, into a corner and, and those and
1: are people who are and you tell everybody I call you dr. Lawson right so uh, that's what I call him and uh, I've called him that forever because I the, 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 the same interview you're talking about is where um, when we were interviewing you and you told me a story of uh, because I asked you a very difficult question. Um, and uh, that's part of my interrogation training and reasons I, I asked it. There's a certain reason I asked that. And if you'll remember that question was what is your most prized position and tell me why. Right people have a difficult time answering that because they first want to go to a family member (coughs) or a significant other and i I apologize i got a little drainage going on but um they 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 tend to want to go to that and then they realize wait a minute people are not possessions uh and then they go so they have a hard time and they might want to go to a pet or they might want to go to a car or how and then they realize that's kind of materialistic and uh the story that you told me about a little trophy that you won that was your most prized possession uh because of the hard work that it went in and the years in the making to win that one trophy told me a lot about you told me a lot about your character and that question is a character question so i knew what kind of character you had when when i asked you that and uh so i still tell people the story that you told I tell them that all the time. It's a great story. And I've I've told you, I let you know, I use it all the time. But uh, it is just a fantastic question. But here's the problem with people uh, in that situation that you're talking about. Is people want to talk, but they don't know how to drop the facade and let you, for lack of a better phrase, behind the curtain. And it's, and you understand that. So, uh, or you could even say behind the wall, Let, let's use the term behind the wall. Uh, they get this wall up and they want to talk to you and they want to trust you, but they've been done wrong before. Uh, they've tried to give people information and people have used it against them before or not kept things in private or secret and things like that. So sometimes those people have been hurt or have had something come back to bite them and so they're very uh, reticent of wanting to allow somebody else to get back behind that wall. Hurt is a, it's an interesting thing um, that what we have to learn to do is, is we have to understand that we can't force someone to talk to us. We can't force people to confess to us. We can't force people, you know, uh, everybody's got a right not to, not to right. speak. Everybody's got a right to silence, right? So uh, it's our job then with those types of people to chip away at the wall. So you might not break through the wall the first time you sat down with them. I've told you the story of the interrogation that lasted about three weeks. right? And I've told you about the daddy that killed his own little girl. And that was a wall that we just had to keep chipping at, keep chipping at, keep chipping at, keep chipping at. And it got to the point to where he wasn't going to confess. He was lying, he was lying, he was lying, he was lying. But it got to where I told you he was calling me after hours, wanting my dispatch to, to reach me at home. I went in on preliminary hearing day and he is sitting over there with his defense attorney and when I walk in, he looks at me with the biggest smile on his face and waves. I had just chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and he was able to share information with me. Now, you're sitting there saying, wait a minute, but you use that information to get against him? Yeah, we're talking about a criminal matter. <clears throat> But you can use this criminal matter technique with daily friendly people is a lot of times people just need to know you're there. They want to talk, and you want to sit down, and you want to talk. And I know you. You want to be helpful. You want to help them figure it out. Because you've got that personality, too, that you're a fixer. You want to fix it. Let me fix it for you. I'll help you. Let's find a way together to do it. Mm -hmm. And while they might want that, they're afraid to let that happen. So you have to continue to build that rapport and by letting it go as far and not pushing it any further. In a personal relationship, you just don't push it further. People just need to know you're there. You You know, hey, I'm there if you need me I'm here. You know that. If you're struggling or you know something, you know right now that you can walk into this apartment and there are people that you can go and sit down with. You know that. Uh, It may not be your parents, it may not be your friends, but you know that if you're struggling with something at school and you need some advice, you know right now because we have let you know that. You understand that, you've had interaction with us and you know that we're the type of people that would close that door and say, sit down right there and let me know what's going on. I'm going to help you. So, how did you get to that point? Well, you got to that point because you had interaction with us. And this interaction, and I'm not talking about just in the classroom. We've had interaction in the hallway. We've had a, a, a interaction in events. If we see each other at ball games, we wave, we talk to each other. All of our students, we do that. We have built that relationship of trust with you over time. It didn't happen day one. Now, you know you could go to Murtaugh if you needed it. And just a minute ago, you were sitting there thinking, I'm avoiding him, I'm avoiding him, I'm avoiding him. And then all of a sudden, when you quit avoiding him, you built a relationship with him. And you know right now today, if you want to go interview him for this podcast, what can you do? Go right over there, knock those doors and say, "Hey, can I interview And you know what he's gonna say, absolutely. He's gonna do things to help you and to grow your brand and this podcast and the things that you're wanting to discuss. So that's a long-winded answer to how do you go at chipping at people's walls, and you just gotta do it. You just gotta, you know, don't take yourself too serious. Right. You know, don't get your feelings hurt. You're trying to help them. People who experience anxiety depression all of us have friends who are going through that and we all want to help if you've never had anxiety or you never had depression you don't understand it and they're going to be the first to tell you and you know what i don't understand it but and i don't know what you need you know because we look at people and say you know what put your big girl pants on put your big boy pants on you know and let's but a lot of people can't so it all comes from our upbringing. It all comes from different things. But I'm just saying that people who have problems just need to know. Sometimes it's enough just to know it, you're there. And even with our criminals, they just need to know they can trust you. And I've told you on class, if they don't like you, they're not going to talk to you. Just because you got a badge on don't mean they're going to talk to you if they like you and they know because you said that brief interaction you and I had to begin with just in what we were in there 30 minutes together. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That brief interaction you picked up on a character trait because I was able to portray that in front of you. They will pick up on that character trait that you're a person who's a professional. You're a person who wants to do the right thing. And where we don't make promises, we can't help people. We can't do that. But knowing that I'm here, tell your story, get it off your chest. Let's deal with this. Let's move on. Let's grow from it. They'll know you're that kind of person because your personality will portray that everywhere you go. Right. Exactly. You know, the difference between real people and fake people, okay? You know, the difference. We all do. You can look at tell when somebody's fake, and you know when somebody's real. So being real and letting them know that you're there, personally, yes, and just keep chipping at those walls. And eventually, you'll break through that wall. Okay. And if you don't, you probably helped that person anyway because you were there for a period of time when they needed somebody just to throw something at or just to discuss things with, you were there. So that's kind of the way you go about doing it.
0: Brilliant statement. I couldn't have put that any better myself. Well, like, I got a little long
1: winded, but you know, oh, again, go. Southern Baptist preacher, daddy in me. Of course, got, you know. I understand that.
0: You know, <laughs> I think everyone honestly needs to hear that from time to time. You know, yeah. It's one thing to, you know, hear, you know, like very close people come to you and, and right. say this, but a lot of these people are not gonna even know who you are bro, no. for that fact, know who I am, right. you know, and Hearing it from a stranger's perspective, in a sense, it just
1: reiss- its reassurance for me.
0: You know, But, but not well, only that, you're not a
1: stranger, people hear people hear it in your voice. True. You can sit and listen to somebody's voice, and you can you can listen to them, and you can hear them. Right. And you know, sometimes that's even better. Sometimes it's just listening because you're forced to listen. You it, there's not all the other distractions of watching and looking. <laughs> you've got to actually use those skills that I told you about those active listening skills like right now there's things in front of us there's things all around us so we wouldn't want to do an interrogation in this office right? we, we just wouldn't because there's too much to draw your attention right? so uh, and I mean you know I could be sitting here talking to you and writing on something and we closed the door because people were come, kept coming in here kept coming in here and so, uh, but when they're fo- when they're forced to focus on just hearing you, that personality will shine through. Exactly, it will. I mean, people who are listening to this podcast will sit there and they'll say, "Hey, you know," well, first of all, they're going to know, "Hey, that's a college student who has a really good relationship with one of their professors, and they have mutual admiration for one another." and even though he's a college student he's teaching him he's learning because you know what and it's not about me i don't want this to sound about me but when you leave here you are a product of what i have put into you right so when you go out there part of me is in you now you're going to develop your own style your own way of doing things but it's like i told you Part of me is in you. Part of Doctor Murtaugh will be in you, and so you have to. We have to realize that, and which is why I think uh, this is growing as big as it's growing. You know, we're one of the largest majors on our campus. Right. We got over seven hundred fifty students. Yeah. You know exactly. And so, uh, I mean, you know, it's just it continues to grow and it continues to build. It's just and I think it's because of that relationship that we built with our students and our department here. Because you know what? It's not just we all, we're this way with each other every day. Right? I mean, we're close, we're, we're a family at this department, and all the professors, and all the administration, and the staff, and everybody work that closely together and actually care about our goal is to make this the best forensic investigation and criminal justice department in the nation. And that's where we're headed. And that's what we're gonna do. Exactly. So, before this
0: ends, I hope you enjoyed this first part. We're gonna come back again with Dr. Haney. And we're gonna get a little bit deeper into the-